CNN didn't look markedly different from what it has looked like in years past. Why isn't Chris Lick putting any signature touches on this thing? You can see a lot of things that don't make a lot of sense and that actually make for bad television. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Friday, November 11th, and today Dylan Byers is here to talk about a not-so-great milestone for the most trusted name in news. For the first time ever, CNN finished behind Fox News and MSNBC in the ratings on an election night. Dylan has some thoughts on why. We'll hear about all that and more on today's episode of Powers That Be. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash powers that be. netsuite.com slash powers that be. That's netsuite.com slash powers that be. Happy Friday, everybody. The weekend is almost here. About 25 million people watched uh, midterm election coverage on television this week. But something unusual happened that Dylan Byers is joining me to talk about, which is, I think for the first time ever, CNN finished third in the cable news ratings on a big election night. Is that right, Dylan? That's right. It was the first time they had ever finished third in a midterm election and the first time they had lost to come in third on any election since 2000. Wow. And how many people watch CNN on election night on Tuesday compared to like a previous midterm? This is the funny thing with with Nielsen ratings. The early numbers don't always provide the full picture. Initially, a little less than two and a half million. When they got the final numbers, a little more than two and a half million. Compare this to Fox News, which had seven and a half million. First of all, you'll get get an idea just of how much of a behemoth Fox News has become. Uh, in the cable news landscape and in the culture. But again, the notable detail here, CNN, a place you've worked, I've worked, you know what election nights mean to CNN. That is the bread and butter of the network. You know, for the last 15 years when it's been all, you know, Rachel Maddow and before her, Keith Olbermann were commanding a bigger audience than the audience for CNN on any given night. When election night came around, that was still... Those were the nights that CNN owned. And CNN would never even come close 
to losing that night to MSNBC. In fact, on most nights, they would even beat Fox, right, in 2008, 2016, during those big elections. So the fact that CNN, which of course has gone through this very chaotic leadership change and is still struggling to find its footing, has now lost an election night to MSNBC, I think is yet another telling signal of just how hard things are for the network at the moment. How much of the slump in ratings is owed to what they actually decided to put on television? Because like I was watching it and it didn't actually feel measurably different than the last election night at CNN when Chris Lick wasn't there and Jeff Zucker was there. And it's like, it was the same sort of Zucker style thing. It was a bunch of pundits and reporters and analysts around a table. Then you'd go to John King at the wall, who's my man. That dude is the, my, I prefer him over Kornacki, nothing against Kornacki. Some people like in and out some people like Shake Shack. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. John King's never going to mispronounce Duval County. And, you know, he just, he just knows his geography, which I respect as a fellow geography dork. There were different faces, which is, I think, was the biggest change. But like, I don't know. Are there people out there who are going to turn on CNN and be like, oh, Jake Tapper's there instead of Wolf? Or like, who's Casey Hunt? I'm changing the channel. Like, what? Like, why do you think they came in third? Let's start at a very high level. Overall viewership for the midterms was down 32%, roughly, from 2018. So the big catastrophic thing that is happening, which is actually the only thing that matters here, which is what you and I talk about all the time, is that the entire business model of linear television is in decline. And less people are paying attention to what happens on cable news, even on an election night or broadcast news, because that ritual, that habit is dying a long and slow death. You don't need it anymore. You can do Twitter. You can do the New York Times election needle. You can do it through Instagram or TikTok if you want. You can do it however. You can do it through Snap. I'm sure you guys probably had a big audience over at Snap. We had a, speaking of millions, several million people were watching Good Luck America on Snapchat, hosted by yours truly. <laughs> so exactly. As the media becomes more fractured, and especially as it becomes more digital and mobile, the stake that cable news can claim is significantly diminished. The exception to this, of course, as this is always the exception, is Fox News, which has this unique power among Republicans and on the right. From that vantage point, does it matter if Wolf Blitzer isn't on CNN? Does it matter if Chris Licht is calling the shots versus Jeff Zucker? No, none of that matters. It's all the same. It is lacking in innovation, but it remains a significant area of study because despite how fractured the media has become, it is still sort of a ritual for a lot of people, especially a lot of older people. Once you get down to that level, the programming decisions do matter. CNN didn't look markedly different from what it has looked like in years past. Why is Chris Lick, the sort of so-called wonderkind executive producer, who has now been at the helm of CNN for six or seven months, why isn't he putting any signature touches on this thing. He's basically inherited the Jeff Zucker thing. But if you really pay attention, you can see a lot of things that don't make a lot of sense and that actually make my apologies to everyone at CNN for bad television. Yes, there were familiar faces, but there was a lot of Jake Tapper, who has been a demonstrable ratings failure in primetime, kind of crowding your boy John King, kind of talking over him. 
and less time spent on people who had actually become celebrities in their own right by virtue of their contributions to election night 2020. I'm thinking of Abby Phillip. I'm thinking of Van Jones, David Axelrod, basically all of these folks who were spent a great deal of their time on election night this year, sitting at a round table with Anderson Cooper, wondering when the camera was finally going to come back to them because there was so much time devoted to Jake Tapper. Did this get people to actually change the channel and go over to MSNBC? I would say, first of all, anecdotally, yes. The amount of people who told me that that's what they were doing was not insignificant. But I think the numbers also bear that out. Again, you can't look at CNN constantly, no matter how they are faring any given year, constantly doing better and outperforming their average numbers and outperforming MSNBC every single election, every two years in November, and then look at the numbers that came in this year and not interpret that as the viewers actively rejecting CNN. Not not all of them. They still got two and a half million viewers. But more people made that jump to MSNBC or to other networks. That's really not a good sign because that is the bread and butter of what CNN does. Dylan, I want to take a quick break. When I come back, I want to game out how they might be able to fix this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. Welcome back, everyone. Dylan, you mentioned something interesting, which is the atmospherics of how people are consuming this stuff. Sarah Fisher mentioned in her Axios piece about the ratings, about 90 million homes paid for either a cable or satellite subscription in 2018 during the last midterms, compared to only 68 million that pay today. So over 20 million people in just four years have cut the cord. And then something else I saw just the other day on Business Insider, uh, they partnered with eMarketer on this. By 2023, the average U.S. adult will spend four hours and 35 minutes a day consuming media on mobile compared to television, where they will only spend two hours and 51 minutes. So basically, like that's flipped over the last five years and the eyeballs have just moved away 
drastically from television in just one election cycle. And so like, if you work in politics and you practice politics, like there's still way too many people in politics that think about like, I got to get Elizabeth Warren on cable news. Like, okay. And they should be thinking more about the mobile screen. That's a challenge. I was thinking before we got on this podcast, like my time at CNN was 2005 to 2015. The last great television technology innovation uh, that happened, David Borman, who was the CNN bureau chief at the time, was the guy who brought in the whole touchscreen, the, the John King wall that like you now see Steve Kornacki doing, but also you see everywhere. Like ESPN does it. It's just the, the thing, like interacting with the wall, bringing in like a big jib cam on set. Like he, I remember one time went to North of Grumman or Raytheon to like experiment with technology. And then all these like bells and whistles. And really the look hasn't changed a lot since then. Zucker's innovation was to pull back on all the reporters they had stationed all over the country and all the states going out in the field and showing CNN's muscle and going back toward more talking head panels, you know, for better or worse, <laughs> obviously. But, you know, people were tuning in still. So I don't know what they can do to fix that. People who work in cable news are often thinking, first of all, the goalposts of success move and shrink considerably, right? And then it's like, well, do we get a few hundred thousand viewers or tens of thousands of viewers more or less than this and are our viewers younger and whatever? They're all fighting over an increasingly smaller and smaller pie. And, and, and they think it's like, who can we book to give ourselves the edge? Increasingly, it doesn't matter who you book. It just doesn't because, again, fewer and fewer people are watching. The innovations definitely have to be digital and, and have to be mobile. But they also have to be, again, and, and I come back to this so much when I think about media companies right now, because they are all competing with each other. It's not CNN versus MSNBC. It's everybody versus everybody. And the question is, how do you make yourself that essential thing to people that you are such, it is, it's just a fixture in their lives, right? One interesting thing that happened as I was channel surfing between CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News on, on Tuesday night. You know, it's everyone's on their second screen, and I've got the election needle open on the New York Times. This was before they had called Pennsylvania for Fetterman, and I went to just check in with where the results, the early results were. Immediately under that, <laughs> they say, well, you're waiting for the results to come in. They have a link to spelling beer or Wordle, a link to what to cook this week, a link to how the New York Times gets its results. All of this other stuff that's kind of like, we know where you're at in this moment. You're interested, you're curious, you're anxious, you're also bored. You're on your second screen. You're using your phone. We are your magic wall because you can screw around with our maps the same way John King and Steve Kornacki can screw around with their maps. So how do we engage you and become the place that you're not just visiting for election results, but the place you want to stay and this is where you want to be? in the sort of height of the television era, CNN did a really good job of being that place where it's just like, Wolf is here and we're, we're constantly standing by and waiting for more states to close their polls and more election results to come out. And that was just part of the tradition and the ritual. And what cable news channels and, and broadcast channels have to do, unless they just want to go the way of the dodo bird, is figure out a way to be essential to people where they are. And just showing talking heads in a studio is not going to do that for anyone really who's under the age of, let's call it 54. 
we talk about John King and Steve Kornacki. They bring something essential. You can't get insight like that from a lot of places. There are plenty of people on Twitter, obviously, who are experts in what time polls close in Alpharetta, Georgia. But their ability to perform on camera and respond to any incoming question, you know, with the snap of a finger is incredible. Not a lot of people can do that. This is an argument for contributors for cable networks. I've made the argument against them, like people like like Trump bozos, like Jeffrey Lord, that were paid to come on television and lie and be idiots. But then, you know, Axelrod, Pluff, you know, there are people who have like practiced politics at the highest levels and can offer some essential insight into what's happening. They've been there. I remember when I was at CNN, I think in 2012, when the caucuses came down to Romney and Santorum, like Mark Preston got one of the precincts, like leaders somewhere in Iowa on the phone to like walk through live how they count, like while they were counting you know, ballots out of a out of a shoebox. And it was like, that was essential. And that was an example of not just going back to the same old pundits who offer the same old watered down conventional wisdom. And so like, yeah, it's great to have people talking, but you want to have people talking who bring you something that you can't get anywhere else. There are just certain people where it's like, you just like wind them up and watch them talk. And I'm not learning anything about the state of the country, where the election's going. Um, Tell me something I don't know about Georgia. Here's what I find so comforting. As long as we're talking about television as a medium that is going to be around for a little while longer, what you need to do is actually not terribly difficult. It's not difficult to understand what needs to happen. It might be difficult to execute, but it's not difficult to understand what needs to happen. You need to make good television. It is entertainment at the end of the day. People need to be captivated. And in order for people to be captivated and engaged, you either have to have high stakes or you have to give the impression that the stakes are high. And you have to have people on who are compelling. One thing that I found watching CNN, yes, all due respect to John King, he's great at what he does. But at a certain point, it was like Jake Tapper and John King for so long, and they were just jumping from county to county and and relaying numbers. There was no sense of narrative. There was no sense of like what mattered and why. And I jumped over to MSNBC at one moment, and there was David Pluff, who's got an incredible amount of experience with political campaigns and understands the landscape. There's Jen Psaki, who literally just left the White House and and, and is very plugged in to, to that world. And there of course, is Rachel Maddow, who is demonstrably good television, whether you agree with her politics or not. The numbers bear that out. And Steve Kornacki has the same data that John King has, but he is he is telling a compelling story and he's, he's giving you an understanding of what the stakes are and where the night could go, depending on what happens. And it just seemed to me like, this isn't that hard. People aren't just looking for a stream of data, right? I mean, that is, that's like C-SPAN level stuff. You have to make this stuff compelling. In that regard, contributors do matter. In that regard, I think CNN should have spent more time with the Abby Phillips and the David Axelrods, less time with Jake Tapper. At the end of the day, look, it was just a much sleeker, more riveting production on MSNBC and even, and indeed even on Fox News than it was on CNN. Well, we have two more years to see what the next election looks like over there. <laughs> Thanks for your insight as always. Appreciate it, man. Have a good weekend. All right, man. You too. 
Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear on this podcast, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. You can visit us at puck.news and on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you next week. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, and Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13. 